Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, let's jump into the Word this morning. I'm excited. Are you doing okay? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it this morning. Um, we're starting a new series called Kingdom Families. I want to talk this morning about these two, these two words, kingdom and family. And as we go on through the next several weeks and we talk about these topics that I'm going to be discussing about family and family dynamics and about the kingdom of God, um, keep those two words in mind because we're going to be bouncing between both of those. Today, I want to talk about devotion and dependency, two key things that solidify us as kingdom families. I want to start with a quote from G.K. Chesterton. It says, when we step into the family by the act of being born, we do step into a world which is incalculable, into a world which has its own strange laws, into a world which could do without us, into a world that we have not made. So he's saying, when you're born, when you're a baby, and the doctor, you know, flicked your foot, you cried, you were there, you're awake, you came into this world, okay, you entered a world that was already functioning without you. Whether you were here or not, you came into a place where there was health or unhealth in your family, in your structure. Uh, you came into a place where maybe people were stable or unstable. Maybe you came into a stable home or an unstable home. But so much of what was going on was what he says is incalculable. You, you couldn't really calculate and count and, and comprehend, obviously, as a baby, what you were stepping into. There were so many things that were beyond your control just as a baby coming into the world. And the same, right, is with us in spiritual family. When you come into God's kingdom, when you're saved, there's so much going on that you don't even realize, that you don't recognize that God is bringing you into. Jesus brings you into something bigger and broader often than we really comprehend, okay? And I, I'm I haven't always talked about family, relationships, and marriage, and when I do, I try to be careful because I am very, very, very aware that people, and what I mean by people, 99.5% of people did not grow up in the greatest of homes. <laughs> there was something that we still need healing from. Even as amazing as the home may have been, there, been, there were still things that we did not get. Still things that we needed, still things that we needed to understand, still things that we needed to understand because we weren't in someone's shoes, or still things we needed to understand because we just don't understand, can't comprehend what was going on at that time. And I just, I want you to hear today, as we're speaking over the next several weeks, through this filter that I'm not communicating that in some way, shape, or form, there's a, such a thing as a perfect family. Amen. I've been pastoring a long time. There's no perfect family. The photos are lying to you. The photos are lying to you. It's a snapshot. It's a moment. They've got their problems. They've got their issues. They've got their challenges. Now, they may be better than they used to be, but they've still got some stuff they're working on, individually or together. Okay? So there's no room for condemnation here today. There's no room to feel comparison between you or anyone else. Today, I want to zero us in on what God 
says to us about family and what's important for us to understand in his kingdom. First of all, let me say this. Number one, family is not easy. Amen. Family is not easy, okay? Simple, but it's not easy. It's a simple concept. Oh, I have some babies. I feed them, put them to bed, take them to the bathroom. Okay, that's a family. Yes, but it is far more complicated. There's a lot more. There's the stages of growth. There's seasons. There's the season that you're in as a parent. There's the season that your kids are in. There's the different personalities that kids have. There's the way this one receives praise different than this one receives praise. There's the one that that receives and responds to affirmation differently than the other one. There's the one that likes to be in the room. There's the one that likes to be out with people. There's the one that likes arts and crafts. There's the one that likes sports. There's all kinds of differences, okay? And trying to navigate that is not always easy. Can I get an amen from older parents? (laughs) Okay? Um, Here's what I've learned ministering to people over the years, okay? Um, Everyone is carrying... Um, working through or shelving something in regards to family pain. Okay, Everyone's carrying something or working through something and, and overcoming it, getting beyond it, understanding it, or people are just shelving it and just moving on with life and staying busy and paying the bills. Is that okay to say? Some of you are looking at me, you know, like I just stripped you naked for a second. All of us are carrying, working through, or shelving some family pain, okay? And I say that today so that we understand. When we see the marketing for how to have a happy marriage, and the book is like three pages, you know, and it's like this thing. That's a great thought, but the reality is that's not necessarily unique to you or your situation or your upbringing, And then when they market further and say, now how to have part two, how to have happy kids. And then they do next year, how to have a happy dog. Okay, hang on a second. What is this? Okay, and you just have to wonder, is that really all it is? Is it we just just read a book and then we just, we're, we're good to go? That's not the way it is. You know, Jesus, when he called the disciples, he didn't call them into certainty. He called them into uncertainty. He said, if you want to be in this kingdom, if you want to be in this family, guess what? Follow me. Oh, okay, great. Where are we going? Follow me. Yeah, but where is all this leading? Follow me. Uh, how much is this going to cost me? Follow me. Uh, well, can I be at your right hand or your left hand? That's not for me to decide. Follow me. There was uncertainty. So the mystery of following Jesus, I think, on, on our generation, is so lost on us because we're looking for a book. We're looking for a sermon. We're looking for a podcast. We're looking for a conference, a counselor, a therapist. We're just, we're wanting to really, what, what I think is just fix the immediacy in our pain, the, the pain that's present, but the mystery of following Jesus through these things is lost on us. You know why churches are so strong historically over the last hundred years? Because of your moms and your grandmas. They stayed when people left. They stayed when people kept going. They kept serving. They kept loving. They kept praying. They prayed you out of your foolishness back into the kingdom of God, back into the house of God. Historically, statistically, people generally, when they've left the church, whatever that term actually means, but when people have left in their early years, they re-enter in their 30s with a lot of baggage, a lot of damage, only to circle back to a lot of foundational things that they couldn't see at the time didn't have a desire for at the time, 
I mean, statistically, we, we think we're, we're such individuals, but really our journey is pretty marked when God touches our lives. He says, you're mine, and when you're mine, you belong to me. And I've marked you for my kingdom, which means you'll be set apart. You will be different. <clears throat> you will live different. You'll, you'll understand different. You won't fit into all these things that you don't fit into. And there's a reason for that, right? Okay, here's the second thing. Family dynamics take skill to navigate. Family dynamics, different personalities, the stages and seasons that people are in. I got, I got married to Janelle over 20 years ago, and I was at one stage and season of life. Then years later, I was at another stage and season. And then years later, I was at another stage and season, and we were at a stage and, se and season. And now 20 years on, like I can see that. I can see where I was. Living in the moment, I didn't necessarily think of it as a season or a stage. I was growing. She was growing. We were growing. Learning how to be married. Learning how to be friends. Learning how to lead together. Learning how to do all, all those family dynamics take skill. It's the same with church family. It's the same with church family. To, to come into a church and, and think that all of the people here who have received Jesus have an eternal address in heaven. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. And even if they vote different than you, you're going to, probably going to be next door to them someday. <laughs> Eternally. Cowboys fans living next to Texans fans. <laughs> Lakers fans next to Spurs fans. But saved under the banner of Jesus. Amen? Think about that. There's an eternal thread that runs through the body of Christ. Right? And as God has saved us, we have to understand that not just in natural family, but in spiritual family, it takes skill to navigate, how to talk to each other, how to understand each other. And sometimes you're better at, at it now than you were then. Sometimes you've matured. Sometimes you've grown. Here's another thing. Framework is needed to understand family properly. Framework. Framework is needed to understand family properly. Okay, well, what is framework? It's, it's something that we got or something that we didn't get when we were growing up. Or maybe we got pieces of it. Right? What is the framework for you when you think of the word family or church family or natural family? Right? So, so we can say, is, is it theoretical or is it actually in place? Right? Uh, here, here's part of the framework. Uh, love and devotion to one another. Okay, well, that's a great part of the framework to have. But has it been tested yet? Right? Has it come against the years? Has it come against the testing and the trials and the difficulties and the disagreements? Right? Because right now it's theoretical. That's part of the framework. We're always going to love till death do us part. Right? That's what Janelle and I said, till death do us part. It's only been 20 years. I hope she sticks around. But that's a long time. And sometimes I think that the framework that we're looking for, it, it, it hasn't been tested yet. But it's something that we have to keep in place. Like, this is what holds the border. These are the boundaries that God gives us for marriage, for family, for, for how I treat people, for how I treat my spouse, for how I treat church family, what the expectations are. See, and we're talking about kingdom families. We're not just talking about natural families. We're talking about kingdom families. Because when Jesus came, he preached the kingdom of God. 
Like when people ask, you know, what's, what, if you just go to a stranger on the street and say, hey, what did Jesus Christ talk about the most? And you just put a mic in front of people. I bet you 95 times out of 100, people are going to say, oh, love. He, he preached about love. But really the thing he talked about the most was the kingdom of God. He came preaching the kingdom of God. He came declaring the kingdom of God. He told people, you're near the kingdom of God. You're not in yet, but you're close. And he was talking about this alternate reality that he's inviting us as his people into and that we get to stand here and make this decision, even though he's sovereignly chosen us, come on, to look him in the eye and say, yes. I say yes to Jesus. And in that, we come into his kingdom. That kingdom operates by different rules, different, you know, when when I want to be bitter, now I have to forgive. When I want to hold grudges, now I have to think about the mercy that God has shown me. When I want to hate, love is calling me this way, right? When I return an eye for an eye, God's saying, that's not the way things are done anymore. And all of that friction is being tested when I'm in the kingdom of God in the realities of life that I face every single day. And the best place it gets tested is in our families and marriages. That's the incubator for finding out whether or not we actually really believe in love, really believe in death, till death do us part, really believe in grace, really you know, believe. You know, I go into my house and, and, and somebody, somebody, I'm not going to say names, I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to say names. Okay. But, but the trash will be stacked. I mean, it, it's already this deep, right? And it says, hi. It's like, who? You just, you just do this and that. And, and there you go. It's falling everywhere. Banana peel on the floor. Fell behind there. Won't find that for two weeks. Come on. Like, just, just put, again, not saying any names, you know? Right? And, and, and even the little stupid stuff like that gets tested. It, it gets tested, the differences, the things that, that people think, the things that people do, the things that people do in a hurry, what you do, what you would have done, what you should have done, what you could have done. All of those things are being learned in the incubator of the framework and the boundaries that are established through God's kingdom and through God's word. And here's the reality. Some of you didn't get a framework. Or the framework that you got was pretty rough, or it was, it, was, it was partially broken, or there were some good pieces in there, but it was missing the left side or the right side, or it was missing a foundation. And you got what you got, but it wasn't enough. That could be said of every home, but there are some things that are fundamental to healthy families functioning, healthy communication. And so we come into God's kingdom, we come into his family, and we're asking this question, how do I do this thing that I've never seen? How do I do this thing that wasn't modeled for me? How do I do this thing when I'm still wrestling with stuff that I don't even know if I've forgiven yet for what they did and what they could have done and what they should have done? So what happens then? Where do we start living? We start living for what we're not going to be. I'm not going to do that. That's all I know. When I get married, I'm not doing that. I'll never be that kind of dad. I will never mother my child that way. I will never, we will never do that in our marriage, but then it gets tested. It hasn't been tested yet. It's theoretical. The canvas is still empty. The colors aren't put. There's the idea, 
of what you want. And many times, what God is trying to show us through family is our need for dependency on him to make this picture reality. But in order for that dependency to take root and become real, it requires devotion on our part. Devotion is something that we have to put wheels to. We have to be locked into. And what is it that we're supposed to be locked into? Think about this, the atmosphere of your home, the atmosphere of the the church, the family. Like when I think of the kingdom of God, it's diverse, right? This church looks a lot like our city, very diverse, right? And I don't just mean diverse when I'm talking about skin color. I'm talking about diverse in thought, in background, where people have come from, levels of education, levels of income. it's It's almost like a picture of the city, and, and to me, that's a beautiful thing. I don't want everybody who looks like me or sounds like me. There are things I need to know that I don't know. There are things I want to see that I can't see. Amen? And the more diverse, the more beautiful. And a lot of times I think that the, the kingdom family concept, we're trying to raise godly families in this world of jealousy, evil, corruption, wickedness. We used to be able to tell our kids, look at leaders. (laughs) Don't get them to look at leaders now. Don't get them to look at political leaders, that's for sure. Filth and corruption and underhanded stuff and never admitting wrong and when you get accused of something, blame it on somebody else. I mean, it's nasty out there. Who do we tell our kids to look to? Oh, look at this pastor. Okay, well, hang on a second. (laughs) Pastors mess it up too. Y'all read the news. Y'all see what happens. See, what what are we trying to point our kids to? See, Jesus already talked about it. He talked about the kingdom of God. It's a bit, see, again, I know the the book, the the 10-page book of how to have a happy life. Man, that's so much easier. It's so much easier to just, if, if you could just tell me the steps, then I could have it, right? Okay, but even if you get it, you still have to keep it. You still have to manage it. It's like, if I could just get the house, okay, but now you have to cut the grass, and now you have to weed-eat the house, and now ants invaded the yard because it rained, and now the, the, the spring came in and the weeds came up, so now you need fertilizer. 70 bucks a bag for fertilizer, what? Yep, and now the sun's going to scorch it. Okay, so you take that grass out, now you're going to replant new grass, okay, but then the sun from la- last summer came in this summer, and it scorched it again, so you blew a pallet of grass, you blew it. You wasted four or $500 on grass that's now dead. See, there's the maintenance of things. And, and this is part of the, the ongoing mystery of Jesus Christ in our life. It's learning to follow him through the ebb and the flow of life. See, we just want to arrive. It's the American way. It's part of our generation's problem. We just want the answer. We want our pain healed. We want it fixed. Uh, give me a therapist. Give me a counselor. Uh, I don't like what you're saying. I'm going to find another therapist, right? Uh, No, I didn't really like them as a counselor. I tried counseling, tried it twice. I'm I'm not doing it anymore. They couldn't help me. Like we want immediate answers, immediate relief. Then we come into spiritual family and and we have those same tendencies in us. Think about it. When you came to church or when you chose a church, what's in it for me? Do I like the music? Do I like what he's wearing? I really don't care if you like what I'm wearing or not. I like what I'm wearing. When people are up here worshiping, I don't really like that song. 
I don't really like that type of music. Come on, I'm getting in your heads too this morning. Like we don't even know sometimes that we're coming in and we're seeing through the filter of me. And in the kingdom of God, it's we. Jesus brings us into the, the we community where it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's that we factor that each one of us is now part of, right? And so what is the kingdom of God? Okay, if God's brought me into this thing, well, look how Romans describes it. The kingdom of God is righteousness, it's peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He says that is what the kingdom of God is. For the kingdom of God is righteousness. That's my right standing with God. It's peace. It's the peace of God. And then it's joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we take that and say, that is a picture of the kingdom of God. That should be a picture of my life. That should be a picture of my church. That should be a picture of my home. Because that's what the kingdom is. And if I'm a kingdom family, if I have a kingdom marriage, if I'm trying to raise kingdom kids, then these are the ingredients to make that happen. So we have to ask ourselves, are you guys okay? Y'all are very quiet this morning. Just checking on you. First service was happy. <laughs> you guys seem like you're thinking. Is it just under the hood today and it's like, whoa, didn't know we were going here? Quiet. I'm trying. Trying. Todd's always got my back. See, the, the things that we often like about God are the things we like about ourselves. I just don't ever believe in a God who would send somebody to hell. Well, because you would never send anybody to hell, right? Well, I just don't believe in a God who, well, yeah, but that's because you don't believe. Like, there, there are concepts that are part of God's kingdom that it takes time for us to learn and embrace. See, when we get saved, we're brought into this whole alternate reality. It's, it's a different way of doing things. This is why Jesus infuriated people because it was absolutely opposite of the culture. Not just the culture, but the religious tolerance of the day. And they're saying here, hey, we know God. Who do you think you are coming in with this insanity and this nonsense? You're not the chosen one. And what you're doing is you're, you're wrecking the church and you're wrecking society and you're wrecking culture. You're speaking blasphemy. What are you doing? This is why they wanted to kill him. Because his concepts were different than what they were used to. We have to ask ourselves, what concepts and what culture are we used to? Where the kingdom of God has not invaded yet, but we're still expecting Jesus to meet us on our terms. Come on, God, get on my page. Fix this woman you gave me. <laughs> Fix these kids. Fix this church, man. Fix these people. Fix this life. Fix this nation. You know, Jesus, when he came to earth, he didn't do, do a whole lot of fixing. He did a whole lot of invading. He invaded political culture. He invaded religious culture. He invaded manhood and womanhood. He invaded concepts. And he flipped them upside down and said, this is the way we do it now. And this isn't the final home. I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't true, I would have told you so. He says, the kingdom, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. So here we are in this world, not of this world, trying to raise kids in this world, but not of this world. 
with the insanity that we're all seeing every single day on the news, just turn it on, and you just think, is, is this really, is this, is this real? Like this society, is this real? Is this really happening? Is this happening to our kids? Is this happening in politics? And I'm supposed to have a, have a happy outlook on life. I'm telling you, we can't be looking at what we see. We have to look at what Jesus was calling, to, calling us to. And some of these concepts are hard for us to digest, to, to try and get into what it's like to be a, a kingdom family, a godly husband, a godly wife. Sometimes I think that's lost on us too, especially in this generation. When we, when we hear words that are like trigger words, and a man shall be the head of his wife. What? Head? What? No, no man's going to be head over me. What? And she shall submit to him. And submit? Oh, I don't submit to anybody. Tell me who to submit to. I'm staying out of his marriage over there. I've, I've known him too long. You have to have somebody else help you. A lot of times there's no groundwork for people to understand, first of all, what that actually means, what God's intent for it was, the safety in it, the covering over it, the blessing in it. And so people come in and they're like, submit, head, what? No, hey, nobody's telling me what to do. Again, that's me, not we. And there are so many things to become part of a natural family and a spiritual family as a church and a kingdom family that you're going to have to unlearn some things. And it's not just the first three years of Christianity. It's 20 years in. I'm, tw- I'm 25 years into really serving Jesus. 18 years into parenting. 20 plus years into, into marriage. It's somewhere over 20. I've already forgotten. It's over 20. I know that. 21. See how romantic I am? And I'm still learning as a parent. Still learning in marriage. I'm still learning as a pastor. See, I, I had to let go of my arrival mentality. It's not a destination. It's the mystery of following Jesus through the good, the bad, the seasons, the mountains and the valleys. But if I have this arrival mentality, then I'm missing it. See, how do you take these concepts like honor and love and forgiveness and grace and mercy and compassion, healthy and unhealthy communication, and take all of these things that are supposed to be not just coming from us, they're supposed to be developed in us? Well, that's not going to happen because I just read one book and I get it. I'm going to have to be tested for the kingdom to come through me, to impact my family, to impact my relationships. God has to be able to do some work. Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Okay, this is true of your house, your natural house. This is true of your future. But this is also true of your family. And it begs the question to be asked, is the Lord building your house? Not just blessing your house, because you're praying for him to bless your house, but is the Lord building your house? And how do you know that? You look at the foundation. You look at what you're building from. Are you still building from what you don't want because of what used to happen and what you grew up in? Okay, well, that's not a great picture to compare to, because all things are new in Christ. And he takes that which is destroyed and he builds beauty from the ashes. He builds something brand new. So I can't look to the brokenness of the past and say, okay, well, that's how bad things were, and I just don't want that. I have to start in Christ. I have to start on the true foundation. This is why Jesus says, if you build on this, like sand, it's going to fall and collapse. But if you build on my words, 
On the rock, when the storms come, the house won't blow over. Because there's something we can trust in the words of Jesus. Okay? Uh, years ago, I was uh, with, with a friend. This is right when Grace Avenue was starting. And I told him, I'm starting this church. I feel God has called us. It's time and blah, blah, blah. And going through the whole story. And he was telling me about someone else that he knew that had just launched, was launching their dream uh, of a ministry or a church. And that he was telling me that the, the guy sounded a little bit more uh, overly confident than he should have and was saying things about what he was going to do and what he was going to be and this and that, and that my friend told him, hey, man, you better hope God breathes on that thing. And when he said that, I got cold chills all over my body because it was like the Holy Spirit got my attention in that moment and said, hey, I don't care what your plans are, Daniel. You better hope I breathe on that thing. Like in Genesis, when God breathed life into Adam, and from that point, mankind took form. You can have dreams and a house and a family goes, but unless God is breathing life onto it, I don't want a marriage where God's not breathing life into it. I don't want a church where God's not breathing life into it. I don't want worship up here if God's not breathing life through it. I don't want preaching if it's not God breathing life through it. Because the breath of life, what, what is, breath is symbolic of life. And God breathing through something is powerful. You're not powerful enough to breathe life into everything that you need to take form and shape. Your kids need more than your good knowledge and your stories. They need the breath of God on them. They need God's life to cover them. They need to hear God in moments where they're far from him, where your voice isn't around, but God's voice is near. See, Jesus called these men to himself, these disciples. What was their only guarantee that they would stay on the right path? Their closeness to him, their proximity to him, their ability to follow, their teachability. See, these are the same concepts that work in, in marriage, in family, in church life. Our, our closeness to Jesus our teachability, our ability to learn, our ability to grow and shift and change. But see, closeness with Jesus is often what's lacking. Let me stay here for a second. Closeness with Jesus is where so many people struggle and are, are lacking in their own life. And so if they're not truly devoted to God for themselves, how can a marriage birth the very things of God itself? How can the family breathe the life of God if neither the mom or the dad or the individual or the parent is letting God breathe life into them? A counselor can't, or a therapist can't fix what we ourselves won't even allow God to fix. And there are places God wants to breathe life into you. And it's going to produce devotion. This is what he's looking for, devotion, true devotion. See, the, the message of the kingdom, it's something that demands a whole heart response, right? The kingdom of God is not something like when Jesus came, he's like, ah, this guy's got some good things to say. I don't know, man. Like, is there a signing bonus or anything for, like in this? Do you have any snacks? Uh, what is this presentation about the kingdom of God? I'm not, I'm not sure. Leave, leave everything and follow you? Yeah, I don't know if I'm interested in that. Deny myself? Ugh. 
pick up my cross? I ain't about a cross. See, when Jesus called us into the kingdom, this, this wholehearted devotion, this is not just a little, yes, just put my hand up and say yes to Jesus. This is the life laid on the altar. Come on, you understand this concept. You, for some, some of you who are parents, you lay your life down for your kids already. You get it. You get it. And you keep laying it down. <laughs> and you keep laying it down. And you keep laying it down. This is the message of Jesus. The kingdom of God. And it demanded wholehearted devotion. And then from there, what he demanded was dependency. Dependency. See, the closeness of being able to depend on God. You ever seen those trust falls before that they do? You ever seen when somebody falls and they didn't catch them? <laughs> Feel bad? <laughs> Feel really bad for them? We don't want to get burned. We don't want to fall. And so sometimes it's harder to bring our marriage and our stuff to God because we think, well, what if, what if he didn't catch me? Well, what if he didn't catch all this? I've already put six years into this or five years into this. Well, what if it doesn't work the way I thought it would? And this is where we learn dependency. See, a baby, when a baby is, is, is feeding, it's, it's, it's not thinking about separation. It's thinking about dependency. It's thinking about closeness. Jesus tells us that, the, that those he chose, he brought them close so that they would be with him. And it's the same for parenting. It's the same for marriage. It's the same for, for our lives. We're being brought into something that Jesus wants to do. See, Jesus constantly explained that his kingdom is not what people think it is. It's not what people think it is. It's bigger. It's broader. So let's land the plane here. Because this was more theoretical thinking. It's some theological thinking. And I'm trying to get us beyond looking for the easy answers of fixing things. Some of the greatest pain in my life has been the greatest teacher. Some of the greatest pain in my life. Some of the greatest pain in my own family, my, 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 my marriage, my church, Christians, some of the greatest pain, the place you don't want pain coming from, church and family, has been the greatest teacher in my life. Taught me to depend on God more, to not look at people, but to look at God, to not depend wholeheartedly on people, but to, bend, to depend wholeheartedly on God, to be devoted to God in spite of what people do. See, th these are the tests of devotion, and Jesus knows this about us. There's a place in Scripture where um, a, a guy comes up, and they, and they hear Jesus talking about the, uh, uh, the body and the blood, and they hear what he's saying. He says, unless you partake of my body and my blood. And people are like, hang on a second. What is this zombie apocalypse you're talking about? We're out of here. This is insane. They said, from that day forward, it was too hard. They, they said, this is too hard. Who can follow this man's teachings? And it says that they walked away and never followed him again. I fear that. <laughs> I fear that for my life. I don't ever want it to get so hard with, with life 
that I take all the good that God has done, and I'm like, oh, this is too hard. This is my exit. I'm out. This is where I get off the train. I want to be so devoted and so dependent on God that I'm not lost on the mystery of the valley. That I'm not just good on the mountain, but I'm not lost. I'm not lost in the valley when it's dark or confusing. Kids aren't well. Marriage isn't well. Church isn't well. Do, do you guys know that this is an interim place that we're in right now? This, this building that we're in? This is not our building. You're like, oh, you got a nice building. It's not ours. <laughs> like, glad you like it. And, and do you know that this was not part of the plan? Do you want to know where we were going to meet before this? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> because when our lease ran out, we tried to buy three buildings last year. Three separate, into, I signed the contract for each one, dealt with the bank for each one. Every single time, for some reason, things didn't go in the end. And I was like, ah. And the first time, you're like, ah, oh, it's okay. God has a better one. <laughs> then the second time, you're like, ah, okay, God has a better one. And then the third time, you're like, uh, God, do you have a better one? <laughs> the mystery was not fun. It's not fun when people are saying, where are we meeting, Pastor Daniel? I mean, that's okay when you, your church is like a year old. We're 12 years old, 13 years old. I'm 47. I'm not getting any younger. I'm like, I don't need this kind of stress. <laughs> what do you have for us, God? See, the mystery. And you know what? I, and, and this is going to sound very cliche. But I'm just going to tell you, you know where I arrived right over the holidays at the beginning of this year? About a lot of things in life. God's got this. God's got it. What are we meeting, Daniel? I don't know, but God's got this. We raised money for a building. God's going to provide it. God's got this. Out of the blue, this came. We have formed an incredible relationship with the people here on this campus. One of favor, great favor and hospitality, a great working relationship between us. Now, I could have stood up here and told you, huh, did you see where you've arrived? Just trust your pastor. I know where we're going. I'm, I'm no, I'm following the mystery of God. Wow. Following the mystery of God. We could have hijacked the mystery and forced something else to happen. I'm telling you, we were tempted. We were tempted to, 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 to just force, force something to happen. We did it. And in the kingdom, you can't force things. You have to be comfortable with the mystery of the devotion and the dependency you have on God. Where does God have you right now when it comes to the mystery? Like, where does he have you? in your life, in your marriage? Is it the easy answer that you're looking for? Is, is that, that what you're reaching for? And if you get it, can you keep it? Can you maintain it? And bigger question, is that all God wants to teach or is there still more? See, the mystery is far more beautiful than just the picture you've painted. It starts with devotion. It starts with dependency. If we can put those things into the ground, a kingdom family cannot just be born, but it can come to life and keep breathing life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the mystery of the kingdom of God.
that our families have been brought into, our lives have been brought into, something bigger and broader than, than a lot of times we fully understand. Thank you, God, that this is not the end. Thank you, there is a new heaven, a new earth, an eternal family. That pain here is temporary pain. Thank you that your word says that there will be a time and a place where there are no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, that justice will be brought, righteousness will rule and will reign, truth will reign supreme, the King of kings and the Lord of lords will reign forever, the enemy will be crushed once and for all. In the here and now, God, help us to see your kingdom in our families in our relationships, in our lives. Help us to have eyes to see what you're trying to teach us. Not someday, right here, right now. In the immediate pain, in the immediate confusion, God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're trying to show us. I'd like to pray before we dismiss, if you could just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. Today, I want to pray for this concept of the kingdom that I'm talking about in regards to family. I want to pray for whatever foundation you often find yourself starting from. Sometimes it's a place of fear. I don't want that, so I'm trying to build this. Part of that is good, but that can't be the only reason you're raising kids or building a business or becoming the man God's called you to be or the father or the mom. Dysfunction cannot be the picture Unhealthiness cannot be the picture that you're running from. Jesus must be the picture that you're running to. But that means we have to let go of some fears of what we've had or what we've seen or what we've experienced and be willing to put fear in its proper place. This morning, if you've been wrestling, maybe even through this message with this, this fear, maybe this fear is what you carry in your manhood, in your womanhood, in your marriage, in your family. It's this is this underlying fear that really operates as the catalyst for so much of what you do. I want to tell you, like, Jesus wants to give you a healthier picture of the life that he wants to flow through you and the life that he wants to do in you. Fear not, for I am with you. Guys, that's not a card that we hand to people. That's the words of God to our soul. Fear not, for I'm with you. Fear not, mom, I'm with you. Fear not, dad, I'm with you. Fear not, 
married couple, I'm with you. Fear not, parent, I'm with you. Be strong. Be courageous. The Lord goes before you. You can't save your kids from everything, but you can point the way to truth. And in pointing the way to truth, they can find their way back to God. God, would you lift the fear off of people this morning? Would you remove the self-imposed boundaries, the broken framework? Would you bring a restoration project to the hearts, the minds, and the souls of people this morning? Would you bring truth and life into people's homes with the goodness and the power of the kingdom of God? Rule and reign in the hearts and the minds of every person. Where people have gotten it wrong, Lord, thank you that there's forgiveness. Where people are confused, Lord, give them vision. And let righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit rule over every heart and mind in this place. You know, I didn't say this in the first service, but I, I feel led to say this now. I just really sense that today some of you need to get alone with the Lord. And alone means without your phone. And take some time and process what I talked about today or process the seed of whatever was dropped in you today and hear the Lord clearly and write some things down. Put it where you can see it. Come back to it. Because God wants to form some things in you, I believe, in this season that are very unique to your future and very unique to the journey that he has you on. But a message like this can't be a passing podcast. This has to be part of the foundation for what you're reaching for. And I pray that as you sit with God, as you sit in stillness, for some of you as uncomfortable and foreign as that may be, that it would begin to develop in you a hunger and a thirst to be with him more than ever. Jesus didn't model busyness. He modeled time with the Father. You found him praying over and over and over again. Not doing ministry all the time. Not busy all the time. Not teaching all the time. Time with his Father. What could be so intoxicatingly magnetically attractive to Jesus that he could get away from the thing he's created to do to spend time with the creator who gave it to him what was happening in those moments you'll never know if unless you go there with yourself and go there with him so father give us a hunger may our church a kingdom minded church hungry for your presence Teach us, God, in these moments. Heal us in these moments. 
Let us learn to be with you, God. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.